Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Hey, church family, Rowena and I love you. We appreciate you. We're praying for you. And we're so thrilled to have seen so many of you during the last several of weeks. Now, for those of you who we haven't seen, we definitely miss you and we can't wait to see you soon. Without question, these are unusual times. Almost every day brings a brand new twist. Every last one of you have been challenged on one level or another. And Rowena and I have been in that same position as well. That difficulty of keeping everyone in the church connected while creating online content, navigating the social and political topics of the day, fighting for good physical and emotional health, making decisions about live gatherings. Honestly, not having church is a lot more work than we ever imagined. So with that, I wanted to let you know that we'll be taking the better portion of the month of August off for vacation. We're doing well, but we want to make sure that you get the very best versions of us possible, and now is a good time for a little R&R. Don't worry, we'll be enjoying some of the best guest speakers during the month of August connected to our church family here in Southwest Washington that you can imagine. And not to worry, we'll still continue on with our 10 a.m. live stream for those of you watching it alone, those of you watching it in small groups, and we will continue on with our 5.30 in-person gathering. There will be no midweek live as Rowena and I will be somewhat unplugged during the month. During this time, if there's anything that you need, make sure you reach out to the church office and the team will be sure to take care of you. Be sure to gather your family and friends as you press into the Sunday live stream and make sure you share, make sure you comment, make sure you also kick in those emojis to connect with everyone else. Now that being said, let's dive into our series, The Best Worst. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. These were the words of Joseph that he spoke to his brothers some 15 years after they hated him so much that they sold him into a human trafficking ring, which led to him becoming a slave and then his incarceration, which bizarrely led him to interpret Pharaoh's dream and in a twist led him to save an entire nation from a devastating famine, which then placed him once again face to face with the very brothers who started the whole bizarre series of events. As they stood before him, they were naturally afraid as they should have been, but he expressed a profound biblical truth to them when he said, you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. Our series, The Best Worst, leans into the very idea that God is able to do some of his very best work in our lives during some of the very worst of circumstances. It reminds me of the promise of God found in the book of Romans that says, that's why we can be so sure that every detail of our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Now today I've entitled my message, Doing Right Even When It Hurts. I'm a firm believer that doing the right thing pays off in the end. Doing the right thing leads to God's best. But I also know that doing the right thing can be painful in the very beginning. Doing the right thing can initially create a temporary worst scenario. 
Sometimes in order to do the right thing, you have to do an incredibly uncomfortable thing, a less than pleasurable thing, a thing that isn't initially in your favor, a thing that goes against the grain of what others are doing. Sometimes doing the right thing will cost you dearly, like popularity, relationships, maybe even promotion or income. In fact, to do the right thing, you may even have to do a right thing that others say is wrong. Prophet Daniel found himself in this very scenario. But before we look at his story, let's take a look at this idea of right and wrong. You know, we live in a day and age where people have strong disagreements about what's right and what's wrong, about the idea of absolute truth. It's common to hear people suggest what's right for you might not be right for me, or what's true for you might not be true for me. This is nothing new. Thousands of years ago, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, had a brief conversation with Jesus just a few hours before he was crucified. Jesus said to him in John 18, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? Pilate wasn't really asking a question. He was actually making a statement disguised as a question, but the question is incredibly important. What is truth? What is right? What is wrong? Who decides? Politicians, lawmakers, voters, business owners, pop culture, teachers, religious leaders? To be very candid, the real answer for who decides right and wrong for many, ultimately, I do. I am the final judge. I determine my right and my wrong. If I like it, if I want it, if it helps me, it's right. But make no mistake, every person's right and wrong exists on a sliding scale. As times change and circumstances develop, there will be a new thing that I like, a new thing I want, a new thing that helps me, a new right. And there will also be a new thing I don't like a new thing I don't want, a new thing that hurts me, a new wrong. Right and wrong will always shift depending on each and every person's preference and ever-changing circumstances. It reminds me of the 1976 movie called Logan's Run. In that story, set in a hedonistic utopian society in the year 2274, in order to prevent overpopulation, everyone at age 30 must undergo a special rite called carousel. It's the process of being reincarnated into the next life that most citizens look forward to. Now, the storyline focuses on the main character, Logan Five, who knows the real truth about Carousel. After all, he's charged with capturing the few people who attempt to avoid Carousel, and he has to exterminate them, as is the case with actually all 30-year-olds who participate in Carousel. Because Carousel is nothing more than a planned genocide that serves as population control. And by the way, the movie takes place as Logan 5 is approaching the age of 30 and now is considering that this Carousel maybe may not be the best thing after all. Truth for many people work that exact same way but not so for the followers of Jesus, who look to the Lord their God as Lord and King. In their case, they believe that God alone determines right and wrong. Let me say that again. God alone determines right and wrong. 
You see, we as Christians believe that God is the source of all truth. John chapter 14, verses 5 through 6, Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie. Christians also believe that God has revealed truth. He's given us his word because God's word reveals the truth of God. Psalm 119, verse 160, the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules, it endures forever. Psalm 1830, this God, his way is perfect and the word of the Lord proves true. You know, I've been asked questions like, Pastor Steve, what do you believe about abortion, about war, about homosexuality, suicide, human trafficking and slavery? And I always try to respond that I don't really have an opinion because my opinion is no better, honestly, than anyone else's. But I also try to respond with, let's take a look at scripture at the one and only opinion that matters, God's. God's word rightly divided reveals a never changing standard, regardless of who you are, where you live or what you have. God's truth, God's right and wrong, they never change. It doesn't matter if you're 29 years old turning 30. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white, rich or poor, Democrat or Republican, American or otherwise. God's truth will never ever change. I promise you. I can also promise you that every other truth will change over and over and over again. That especially applies to your truth. You may think it's okay to have sex with your girlfriend now before you're married, but I promise you, one day when you have a 14-year-old daughter, the truth will be different then. Fortunately for us, God hasn't left us alone to try and navigate biblical truth and attempt to apply it to every step we take. God has sent his spirit to lead us into all truth. John chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Speaking about the Holy Spirit, the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, verses 26 through 27, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing, there he's speaking of the Spirit, that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. The Holy Spirit is literally our travel guide through this life, and he resides within a believer's life, helping us to avoid deception and always landing on biblical truth with every step we take. Way back when I was at the ripe old age of 17, prior to meeting Jesus, I had a robust conversation with my parents about the archaic institution of marriage. I very eloquently explained that it was far better to live with someone first so that we could determine if we were compatible. I explained that it was better to never get married than to marry and end up divorced and that living together was the best way to avoid all of that. But then at age 18, I met Jesus. I gave him my life. He placed his spirit within me and I began reading the Bible. And wow, I began to discover that God had a different set of right and wrongs, but that he had the promise of making sure I would enter a better outcome if I lived according to his standards. So fast forward to the summer of 1988. I was 22 years old, working in a print shop, getting ready to join Rowena in California 
for our October wedding. And I'll never forget my boss. She was very concerned and distressed that I would marry Rowena or anyone for that matter without first living with them to make sure that we were compatible. She was exceptionally concerned. Her sincerity, it was incredibly genuine, but I let her know that I would not do that because instead of making things better, those ideas would actually introduce new circumstances into our lives that would likely damage our relationship with one another, not to mention put us in conflict with the very one we were depending on to bless our marriage and everything else about our lives. So what changed within me? Did I hear a specific sermon? Did I drink the church Kool-Aid? Was I towing the Christian party line? Not at all. God had revealed his truth to me, and I believed it. I believed him. I wasn't adhering to a list of rules that defined right and wrong. Instead, I was trusting a series of promises made by God in regards to my better future. And while doing the right thing meant missing out on some immediate pleasure and doing some things that others disagreed with, I knew that doing the right thing would pay off. And 32 years later, I have zero regrets for listening to God. And this is one of the reasons why I love this story of Daniel. You see, Daniel was a man who loved God, honored God's word. He prayed three times a day. Even though he was an exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, he maintained the touch of God in his life. It was so strong that it brought him favor with King Darius, and he became one of his key governmental leaders. In fact, Darius had plans to place Daniel in charge of the entire nation. But guess what? Everything in this world will fight against the good stuff God wants to do in your life. So almost on cue in Daniel's life, fellow politicians began to plan his downfall. And as they did, they realized his, his character was so spotless, the only way to get him in trouble was to get him in trouble doing the right thing. So they set a plan into motion, and in Daniel chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, we read, Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. In order to get Daniel in trouble, they had to make a right thing, prayer to God, now a wrong thing. This is absolutely nothing new. It happened then, it happens now all the time, and it dates back to the Garden of Eden. Satan wanted to make a wrong thing right, so he made a statement also, camouflaged in a question. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? A little later in Genesis 3, 2 and 3, the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And here comes a great attack on the truth. Genesis 3, 4, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. You see, Satan said that God was wrong. God was lying. 
God's truth didn't apply to her. There was actually a better outcome available if she followed a different truth. The serpent went on to suggest a good reason, actually a benefit, a personal gain for doing the wrong thing. Verse 5, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. It's the classic war against the truth of God and everything that he says, waged by the father of lies, none other than Satan. No wonder Jesus described Satan with the following words in John chapter 8, verse 44. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Satan regularly suggests that God is holding out on us, that God is keeping the best stuff from us, that we can get the best stuff if we ditch God's right and wrong for our better right and better wrong. But it never works out. It didn't work out for Adam and Eve, and it won't work out for you or me. Mark this down. God's commands are always for our benefit, always for our best outcome. He is never holding out on us. In fact, he is always inviting us into a better thing, our best future. Psalm 84 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. In this lifetime, you're going to hear a voice constantly telling you that some of the things God says are wrong, they're actually right. And some of the things that God says are right are actually wrong. In some cases, when the voice can't convince you that the wrong is right or vice versa, it will attempt to convince you that in your situation, wrong is okay for a number of different reasons. Over and over and over, that voice will attempt to wear you down. It will say anything it can to lure you into participation. It'll pour honey in your ear and whisper, there's nothing wrong with me. There are huge benefits if you let me into your life. You deserve me and you deserve all of my benefits. But trust me, calling a wrong thing right or a right thing wrong, it will never, ever, ever result in anything good, no matter what path your life takes or what your next step ahead looks like. Do right because God will honor you. Now you may have to pay a price or delay gratification. You could lose a friendship, but in the end, God will always honor his word and those who live according to it. In Daniel's case, prayer was the right thing. It was his lifeline to God. It was also the right thing that made Daniel different apart from every other official. Prayer was not just Daniel's right thing. It was God's right thing. So what do we do when people suddenly decide that right is wrong and wrong is right? Leaders, bosses, politicians. What should Daniel do when they say it's illegal to pray? Is it really that big of a deal to skip prayer for 30 days, especially when death in a lion's den is on the line? What do we do when the government passes a law and says it's illegal to pray, no matter what the reason? While we are called by God to honor man and to honor our leaders whenever we can, we are never to honor any man at the expense of dishonoring God or his word, ever. And Daniel knew it. 
Chapter 6, verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Daniel ignored the man-made laws that contradicted God's truth, regardless of the repercussions. He didn't even try to hide his actions. He could have closed the windows. He could have closed the curtains. He could have gone down into the basement, but not Daniel. He went up to the top story on the front of the house, opened up the windows, knelt down in plain sight and cried out to God. And in Daniel chapter 6, verses 11 through 15, the politicians caught Daniel in prayer. They told the king. And though the king was distressed because he favored and loved Daniel, he could not change the law. So in chapter 6, verses 16 through 17, then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing may be changed concerning Daniel. Again, here's the rub. Sometimes doing the right thing will hurt at first. Sometimes it will hurt bad. People have been fired from jobs because they wouldn't do something illegal. People have lost memberships in groups because they wouldn't cover for the wrong actions of another member. They have lost contracts because they refused to pay a bribe. People have lost friends because they told the truth. That's always painful, but that's also never the end of the story. It wasn't the end of Daniel's story, that's for sure, because you can know this. God will always honor those who honor his word. You can look for it, expect it, wait for it. Though it's delayed, it's on its way. I love that the king fasted and prayed for Daniel that evening. In fact, he stayed up all night long, and at the break of day, he raced to the lion's den to see how his friend Daniel was doing. Chapter 6, verse 21 through 23, Then Daniel said to the king, Oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. And then the king, king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And that's an amazing miracle. And if that wasn't enough, get ready for the real, uh, the real hair raiser. This is a biblical principle that cannot be defied found in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe, woe, woe. This is the warning that God will not let those plans stand against his truth. Maybe you can guess what happened to Daniel's enemies. Verse 24, the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they and their children and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. And today, I realize some of you have been living out your truth, and it's a truth that never seems to work out. One way or the other, it lets you down. And today, I'm inviting you to make the decision to walk away from your truth in order to say yes to the truth, the truth of Jesus. Because as you do, you're going to discover 
His way is absolutely better than your way and it will lead you into your best life. And for all of us, we're going to pray for a renewal of faith in God's word and the confidence to do the right thing even when initially it may hurt, cause us to lose something because we know that we're going to experience the very best outcome. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for each person right now who's abandoning their truth to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to the truth. And so Jesus, we give our lives to you and we will begin to follow. Put your spirit within us and lead us and guide us in the way that we should go. And let us see that that fruit of serving you. Father, for all of us, I pray you'll give us confidence to take a step at a time obeying your word. And Lord, in those moments when we're not sure what to do, cause your spirit to rise up within us and lead us in the path we should go. And every time, Lord, let us see that your word works, your path is straight, and the outcome is always rewarded by your hand. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for being a part of today's message. I hope to see you this Wednesday at 6.30 for the Midweek Live on Facebook. Until then, God bless you abundantly. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.